the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Well, welcome to the SpotTrack.com podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester, along with Paul Peck. We're from BuffaloSportsPage.com, along with the founder from SpotTrack.com, Mike Gennetti, and we're going to talk some fantasy football today, and we have a special guest here. Mike, why don't you introduce our guest? We do, yeah. We're going to kind of kick off our fantasy week here with uh, our guest from FantasyPros.com. This is uh, Mike Teglier. He's going to join us, one of the gurus over there. I know he does a lot of podcasts himself over there, and uh, he's a big contributor, so happy to have him on, and we're going to we're going to kind of pick his brain as we kind of dive into fantasy season here. My, my first question for Mike as we, we welcome him in it's fantasypros.com. That's kind of an oxymoron of uh, names, right? <laughs> Fantasy and pro. How <laughs> <laughs> unpredictable it could become. Yeah, I guess there would be someone. <laughs> yes, but of course, everybody that plays wants to be a pro in their own mind and in their own league, so it actually makes perfect sense, doesn't it? <laughs> it kind of does. And that's the thing. If you're right more than 60% of the time, you're most likely to end up winning more than that. Yeah, well, being right 60% of the time, I try to convince my wife I'm right 60% of the time. That doesn't work either, but forget it. Uh, Mike, why don't you tell everybody first what FantasyPros.com is and what, what you folks do there? Yeah, FantasyPros, was a, it started uh, as a site with, with tools on it, right? You can go there and find all of your favorite analysts, all their rankings show up in one place, and what it does is it puts them together to form a consensus. So it's like you have a room of, you know, 120 different analysts that are putting their rankings on there, and it tells you the average of it. So what it does is give you an idea as to where the industry is on every player. And then from there, they built up some mock drafts where you're able to go in and complete mock drafts in five minutes, and you're drafting against experts, ADP, whatever you want to choose to do. And um, just recently, we started upping the content, and that's kind of what I'm in charge of there. So uh, I do write a primer piece every single week in season that touches on every player from every single game. It's like a 25,000-word monster that I write every single week. 25,000 wow. words? <laughs> wow. Yeah, it, yeah. I, uh, I, in season, I write about forty to 45,000 words a week. And uh, mm. someone asked me the other day, they're like, how big is a novel? And the average novel is sixty to 80,000 words. So they said, essentially... You're writing a novel every other week. And I said, yeah, through the season, pretty much. So every, so every guy that catches a pass, runs the ball, or throws a pass on a given NFL weekend, you are actually analyzing and writing about. Is that correct? Absolutely. Every player that's viable for fantasy football purposes. So if there's like, you know, I'm usually touching on at least the top four wide receivers, at least the two running backs, you know, the tight ends, everybody that you would potentially think about starting in fantasy football, I touch on every single player. God love you, Mike. That is pretty awesome. All right, so this is the week now where everybody is gearing up. Their drafts are either coming this week or next week to get ready for the start of the season uh, on uh, on September 9th. So um, we want to go through a couple of different categories that that you know in your mind and and you know we'll, let's start with um, the basic stuff. Who are let's say we'll pin you down here to your top five fantasy players going into this year's drafts. Uh, the top five players, that's pretty simple. It's some form of uh, some combination of Todd Gurley is my number one player. Well, it's, it's really hard for some players for some players to repeat as the number one fantasy running back. We're talking about the most likely scenarios. And he gets the edge over Le'Veon Bell just because Le'Veon not being with the team through training camp preseason, it, it could affect his workload early in the season, kind of like it did last year. Uh, Le'Veon Bell still stays pick at number two. Then you get to number three, and that's where there's a tier of three running backs. And me personally, I love Saquon Barkley. I feel like Pat Shermer coming over to the Giants' offense means a whole lot. I think people are underestimating the impact that Pat Shermer will have on that team. Now, they went out and got Nate Soldier in free agency. You know, Tom Brady's old left tackle. They drafted Will Hernandez early in the draft. 
And, you know, Pat Schrader coming there will change the entire outlook of that offense. So don't be shocked if you see the Giants finish top 12 scoring, uh, which obviously is great for someone like Saquon Barkley, who's going to be used on all three downs. And then the next two, you have Ezekiel Elliott and David Johnson. My concern with those guys is that they're going to play on offenses that aren't very good. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott with the Cowboys, with Des Bryant gone, Jason Witt's gone, there's some pretty stuff for grabs. So can he step into that receiving role? We haven't really seen too much of that from him. Uh, but David Johnson, the man's a monster. I mean, if he was on any other team, I would want to rank him a little bit higher. Uh, but he does play behind one of the worst offensive lines in football in Arizona. And the offense, you know, under a new, uh, Steve Wilkes, a defensive-minded head coach, I just don't know how exciting this offense is going to be. And that's why I've tempered expectations on David Johnson. Uh, you know, here's a general uh, more question, because you mentioned running backs there. So I go into my fantasy draft. Should I be targeting a running back as my first pick, a quarterback, or are we talking about depending upon you know what your draft position is and which player you're going to get? Because uh, you know there's been waves, right, where receivers are more valuable than running backs, and it seems like we're having this resurgence in running backs now as opposed to quarterbacks. What's what's your general advice for those of us going into our fantasy drafts uh, this weekend or next week? Well, a lot of it comes down to scoring settings as well, because some people still play in standard leagues where there's not a point for reception. And if you're playing in a standard league, running back means so much more than wide receivers do. Uh, I've actually done articles on basically what, what positions get bumps in certain scoring formats. But running backs in standard are extremely important. And even in DPR, it's rare to find a running back in the third or fourth round who is guaranteed 300-plus touches. Meanwhile, wide receivers, you can find some guys that are going to get 130 targets down there in the third or fourth round. So you can, you know, it's almost like you're the top tiers of running backs. Those are the guys that are not in timeshares. They're the guys that are not going to split series with, with someone else. You know, so what if you get down to the area of guys like, you know, Donald Jones and Peyton Barber? Nobody knows who the series going to be there. When you get down to the Patriots, Sonny Michelle and Rex Burkhead, you don't know who's going to get the series there. So by getting one of these top-tier running backs, it's allowing me to get guaranteed production as long as that player is on the field. Wide receiver is a much wider net. Now, once you get outside of those top five, Antonio Brown is like a sure thing. Like, you just know if you draft him, if he's on the field, he's going to produce. But behind him, Odell Beckham now competing with targets with a lot of other players in New York. Uh, you have Julio Jones, who's been a little up and down through his career. I love Julio. He's still a first-round pick, but it really all comes down to, you know, your scoring settings. If you're in a PPR league, you should have probably three or four wide receivers going the first round. In standard, I mean, I would argue that it should be a whole lot of running backs and Antonio Brown. I tell you what, I'm glad you mentioned the Patriot thing. I will never draft another Patriot running back as long as I live <laughs> again. They just you, 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 you can't win with them. Well, the thing is, here's the thing. So the Patriots, if you can go back and look over the last you know, four or five years, you look at the running backs, and I think there's a reason that they haven't really gone with one guy. I mean, LeGarrette Warren is a one-two-down back. Even going back to Shane Vereen, he was a third-down back. You had Stephen Ridley, you had issues fumbling the ball. You, I mean, you keep going through this list. James White's a receiver. Rex Burke had the utility player. And they never, ever spent money in free agents and other running backs. They never spent high equity in the draft. So when they tr- bring in someone like Sonny Michelle, who is a true three-down running back, I mean, not only he had, he had to have his knee drained, which is never a good thing, but at the same time, they kind of know what's wrong. They went in there and they fixed it. But the fact that they spent a first-round pick on him, it kind of tells me that they felt a need to up their running game and stop playing so much piecework. But at the same time, there is some rest in it, and that's why I think Sonny Michelle is falling in the seventh-round area. 
Mike, I want to stick on the free agent topic here because uh, a big audience for Track are the Dynasty League players. Um, obviously, they're they're on the site. They're following the actual contract structures because that's important to, you know, salary cap leagues and things like that. The, a little bit more of the advanced fantasy user, right? Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if you've done any work, any research, or if you've seen anything that you can speak to where guys who are entering and expiring contracts, right? Guys who are entering their contract year, like the Le'Veon Bell, um, is there an uptick in fantasy? Is there a more cautious approach? Are they worried about getting injured? Are they going out there and being monsters because they know the next next big deal is coming? What, from a fantasy perspective, where does that sort of stand? Yeah, it's a narrative that doesn't technically exist. There's been a few people that who have kind of debunked the theory that players do better in contract seasons. I mean, everyone's motivated by different things, right? You know, some people are money motivated. Some people are need, know they need to remain healthy, so they're obviously not going to go all out because they're worried about getting injured, and then they're obviously not going to get that big contract. So it really all depends, and it's kind of like I was actually talking about Joe Flacco earlier on a podcast saying that Joe Flacco has looked relatively bad the last couple of years, but you know the, the fact that they run in Lamar Jackson, it's what lit a player under him. Some people take that to heart. Some people are like, oh, whatever, and it's not going to take my job. But Joe Flacco's taking like a shirt, and looks like a different quarterback going into the season. So it's, it's really an individual basis, but in the end, the only reason in dynasty leagues what you have to look at with that is not so much valuing the player and what you think that, that contract is going to do to him. It's more about what do you think about that player's talent? What's his situation right now? Because Sonny Watkins, while he was with the Rams, his value, like, they knew his contract was coming to an end, but if you love the player Sammy Watkins, you know his situation cannot get any worse because he saw 70 targets last year. 70 targets. There's so many players who can do what he did on 70 targets. So to know that he's going to be signed in free agency and go elsewhere, his situation can only improve. Meanwhile, someone like Deion Lewis last year, who we knew was going in the contract year, his situation is likely to regress because he's going to be part of a lower-scoring offense. So it's all about the situation that they're in at that time and how you project them as a talent, where the, everything can go from there. So can we also debunk the theory that players that recently signed contracts also take a step back? Maybe maybe uh, lay down a little bit, like, like, like a Todd Gurley, right, who just kind of cashed in? Yeah, no, I, I, yes, 100%. Because the thing is, NFL contracts aren't guaranteed, right? You know, I mean, well, Kirk Cousins is, but uh, most of the contracts are, are really not guaranteed. A lot of people talk about Jared McKinnon and the contract he got. The 49ers can cut him after one season and, be, and you know, kind of be done with him and not take too big of a contract. Hey, you guys know that. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a year-to-year game, and these players know that. So uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't take that stuff into consideration too much when projecting you know, players for the first year. We're talking with Mike Tagliere from uh, Fantasy Pros. Mike, you gave us your top five guys a couple minutes ago. How about a couple of sleepers? How about a couple of guys to stay away from? Yeah, one of the big sleepers I've been talking about this year is it's rare to find a player who's going to be a starting wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers to undraft it. But Geronimo Allison is one of my favorite players this year just because he's going to start opposite Devontae Adams. They're going to have Randall Cobb in the spot. The fact that Randall Cobb had off-season ankle surgery, that's not a good thing. Like, players, pass catchers, I should say, have trouble coming back from those foot injuries. So, Jerome Wilson, Aaron Rodgers has singled him out uh, in interviews saying that basically these young kids, they need to start watching him and how he practices because he's doing it right. And so, James Jones has 14 touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers, you know, a handful of years ago. Uh, another couple players, Anthony Miller from Chicago. Uh, he's, uh, he's a kid who's getting ripped everywhere he goes. For whatever reason, Allen Robinson 
starts out slow as he's got to get his feet under him, learning the new offense. Anthony Miller could make a difference. And if you look at Mitch Trubisky's track record with slot receivers, it's been really good. Like Brian Spitzer with North Carolina, so Kendall Wright became a fantasy option towards the end of 2017. Anthony Miller is extremely talented, and the game has proven he just the game's not too big for him. Uh, a couple other names, James White is with the late run flyers. Mike Williams from the Chargers, love him. But as for players are the void, there's so many people talking about Isaiah Crowell right now. I'm not a fan. I, uh, you know, going from a Browns team that had one of the best interior offensive lines in football to the Jets, who uh, honestly I could see them replacing all five starting positions on that offensive line. It's not just pretty. You know, they're a team that's not expected to win very many games. And if that's the case, you need to be a pass catcher. I would say that Bilal Paul is a better pass catcher there. I think that Bilal is going to be boring production. He's not going to win in your fantasy league. Um, another one that's extremely overcorrected based on last year was Deshaun Watson. I, I understand why people want to draft him. I understand the upside that you get when you draft Deshaun Watson. But sometimes people are taking him ahead of Aaron Rodgers. And guys, we're talking about a five-game sample size against some pretty bad defenses in that game. I mean, Blake Bortles from Week 12 to Week 16 was the number one fantasy quarterback, so I don't think we should take too much from a five-game sample size. Obviously, it was nice, but don't tease for last year's production. Interesting. Good advice there. Uh, you know, on SpotTrack.com, you know, a lot of uh, fantasy players use the contract tools uh, to have a salary cap league and what advice would you give players that have salary cap to work with in a salary cap fantasy league salary caps are interesting it's something that's kind of taken over lately and i've I've recently gotten involved in a few more of them Uh, but honestly locking up those guys that are young for really cheap salaries you know we have when you have draft picks that only cost you a certain amount those those draft picks are worth a lot of equity especially if you're a team that has a solid group of wide receivers, and you're going to look to take running backs in the future because it's so simple to, to to grab a running back in dynasty rookie drafts. Like, you know who's going to get what role based on where they were drafted. There's going to be sleepers every year. But when a team spends the top, you know, you know, taking the first couple rounds on a running back, they're going to give them every opportunity to, to succeed. So I would say, you know, top of draft picks, like, instead that are, are never going to turn into a star, I would much rather move on from those boring players and grab some draft pick, you know, because uh, in most salary cap leagues, those draft picks, those draft picks are extremely, extremely affordable and you get to keep them for, you know, three or four years based on your league. That's great advice for those listening who are in the contest on SpotTrack.com, right. Mike. We just, right. gave, we just gave an inside tip there. That's, that's, that's right. right. That's all right. We're looking for winners. Uh, Mike, last question. Let's, we'll wrap it up here on this. Uh, you know, Obviously, things have evolved a lot in terms of sports and fantasy over the past really decade, um, more specifically with the daily fantasy. And I know you guys do dabble into that. You've got a, a premium section for that on Fantasy Pros. Um, and we do a little bit of that on, on SpotTrack as well with some contests. But you know, it's it's all the rage. It's it's where a lot of the players are going. It has it has it forced the league to sort of take a hit, right? Are fantasy leagues a little less popular these days, or are they as popular because there's now one every day as well? They're as popular, and honestly, like daily, I'm surprised it didn't get even bigger than it did. And it, it might continue to do that. With you know, some of these, some people were always hesitant because of the gambling laws, and they were worried that this would roll into that. And it, it was just like a weird thing with all of the legislation that was going to get involved. But now that we're starting to hear you know, gambling being accepted, that you're able to bet on games legally in certain states, I think 
you're going to see it grow only more. And, and for the NFL, you know, to try and hold back this process, I think it's the worst thing possible because fantasy football was the best thing to happen for the NFL. Uh, you know, like people who you know would usually watch their home team, they're trying to watch you know the Bengals on Monday Night Football because they have AJ Green in their fantasy lineup. So it's, it's, it is only going to help the game grow like more than it ever has. And knowing that you know the the betting laws are changing, it's going to continue to increase. So the NFL is on top of the world. They need to get the rules in place. But the, there's so many things going on when it, when it comes to you know the hel- lowering a helmet, some of these penalties that are being called. We don't want them to ruin the game because they can do that if they continue to push the game towards them. Uh, there's a reason everybody loves football, and we want to keep the game as it is. Yeah, I, I agree. Some of these calls in the preseason, you're like. Whoa! Come on, <laughs> you know you got to let them play a little bit here. Um, Just you know, keep in mind that it's always more in the preseason because the officials are going to mm-hmm. err on the side of throwing it on anything, and then once the regular season starts, it'll go right kind of back to normal. Well, I want to go to Mike's point about you know the league kind of trying to hold things back and, and the gambling and stuff. That's just because they're trying to get everything set up for themselves, right? Yeah, I mean, have to. the league, you're going to go to a stadium and you're going to be able to place your bets right there. Yep. Yep. That's, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get it to that any commercial any advertising you're doing. They want uh, something mentioned. Like any time uh, a commercial mentions an NFL team, they want to get a piece of that. And any you guys are getting a piece. You can't just buy the viewership that you're going to get based on it. So it's, it's somewhat unfair. Mike, one more real quick. Do you, do you dabble in the other sports in terms of fantasy on Fantasy Pros? Honestly, no. I, um, I, it was easy when I was to travel down to Wisconsin and how much of a year I spent that it is. It, we just had me focus. Like, I, I did all my focus on the draft. I did a bunch of uh, profiles in the draft, the math drafts, you know, reading the list of drafts, and everything like that. So, um, football the year events they've dedicated these strictly to football. All right. Well, it's great stuff that they do. Fantasypros.com. Mike Taglier. Mike, thanks so much for your time, your expertise, and uh, I'm sure we'll hit you up at some other point during the season for uh, some more info from fantasypros.com. Absolutely, guys. I look forward to it. All right. Great stuff from Mike Taglier there. I, you know, I've gone through a period of where I hate fantasy football, <laughs> I like fantasy football, and I've I've actually declined a couple of leagues this year because I'm, I'm with you. Kind of back into Haiti. I have been again. playing <laughs> fantasy football since 1985 when a buddy of mine transferred into college and said, "Hey, there's guys that down at my college that are doing this. Why don't we do it?" Um, and I've played it for a long time and I've loved it. But lately, I I kind of I'm with you. I'm like it, it's it's almost gotten that everybody does it now, and there's so much. <laughs> there's no skill anymore to it. There's mm-hmm. there's there's no doing your own research. You just dial up a list, a draft list, and you draft off your draft list. And I don't know. It just I'm with you, Kevin. No, I, it, well, it, part of me says, yeah. In other words, he's not winning. That's well, <laughs> everybody I've else got too good. Times. But yes, that's Listen, part of it. Uh, fact be told, last year in our Buffalo Sports Page uh, Fantasy League mm-hmm. with uh, some of our premium members, Paul and I might have finished the last two spots. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Was that on purpose? No. Did you, did you mail, no. Did you mail it in for sponsorship? No. It wasn't corporate golf. No, it was <laughs> no, not corporate not. golf. It, basically because like the transaction wire, right? Like, you have to up, live it. You got to live on and there. And you got to be first. You and I've, always, and I've always been a guy who likes to take quarterbacks early because I want to know that I got a guy who's going to throw 25 or 30 touchdown passes for me. Uh, and that it, it clearly when, when Mike goes through his top five and they're all running backs, that tells yeah. me I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. No, and, and well, the other thing was the draft was all online. 
right? So to me, the, the best part of the fantasy being in the fantasy league was getting together for the draft. Yes. So I still try to do this, and it's been less and less every year. Right. You know, because we make wives. a ton of food. And it's just me and my wife eating food. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the saddest story. We're coming That's over, this year. We're coming right over this year. No, I'll tell you what, I'll come over for your draft. That's I'll right. eat the food yeah. and drink the beer. I'll let you hold the board. Uh, yes, <laughs> I, I'll be happy. I'll, I'll announce the selections. Thank you. That'll be fine. That, you know, the stories, Host. the best stories that, that I have in my life from fantasy drafts are just of making fun of people and of having guys who weren't real big football guys. And, and this is sort of sad, but but remember Joe Delaney, the running back for the Chiefs, who yeah. died in a tragic drowning incident? Um, somebody in one of my drafted leagues him? drafted him, oh, and, and you and know, you didn't stop him, did you? No, I don't think we did. <laughs> but but those those were sort of what made those gatherings we, fun. We we sort of always go with the the person with the last pick and end up picking a, an inactive player every year. Love it, just to sort of see where it Love goes, it. like a Manziel or a Favre or whatever right. it's going to be. We we sort of go that and, route. And the last thing on the fantasy, <laughs> as you know, as uh, it, it's it's uh, it, it's Mike brings up great points. Is that so much of it is based on last year, yet we all have learned the lesson that things change dramatically yep. in the NFL from year to year. There's always two or three last-place teams that make the playoffs year to year. So sure. my best advice to anybody is don't just assume what is going to happen last year is going to happen again. Let, let me. Uh, we want to talk some NHL here in a second um, because we're getting close to training camps and such. But you guys do fan- daily fantasy? I have. It's not consistent for me, but yeah, especially with the baseball season, a long season, I'll, I'll dive in yeah. every now and then, yeah. Um, I have, and it's so like, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. But I, I guess, you know, I, I, they've had an issue in the past, right, with insiders, yeah. and then you have guys backing yeah, who, who 30,000 teams, a, right? Right, 1,000 teams a night these because computer, they'll win, their percentages will win certain These computer algorithms, right? So, so I'll give you some background. I, I was at, out at the Sloan, uh, the Sloan Conference, the sports conference. The oh, I thought an, you meant Sloan, New York. <laughs> the, the I lived there for concert. a brief period of time. No, I don't think they'd be involved. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, no they, I don't think computers have gotten to Sloan. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. My um, in-laws are Yeah, right. up in Boston, it was the analytic conference. It was a few years ago, now, four or five years ago, when these things were really starting to hammer home. And the founders of these sites, FanDuel and DraftKings, were there. And not only were they there, they were presenting, and they were presenting how to win. They want you to know the algorithm. They want you to know the, the tricks to winning. Because in order to do so, you just you just said it. You've got to have 100 teams You play going. more, right? You yeah. play a ton, and that's beneficial for everybody, right? Sure. So, and they want these guys to win. They want these. They want big winners. It's like Vegas. They want you to sit down. Want you know one or two guys to sit down and cash in, and they'll treat those guys well. It's the same philosophy. Yeah. Well, but they, they're, they want they're somebody to out. win a hundred thousand. They just what you might not know yeah. is that he laid four hundred thousand on the table and that's, when he started. And that's right? the way to do it, right? Yeah. But they were literally handing out the keys of the car, and uh, if you sat there and listened and took some notes, you really could do well on it. I didn't do so. I kind of glossed over. On sure. It. Right. Um, but. You know, you talk, Paul. You talk about leagues getting more difficult because people are more privy. These daily fantasies are no joke. You've got to do ma- match like for baseball. You've got to do matchups on. Oh yeah, hitter versus pitcher. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You got to know that this guy is the wind is a two sixty hitter, but he hits three twenty <laughs> against that pitcher. You're playing him that night. No question. Um, so to do it every day daily is a job. Um, and I, I kudos to the people that do it and actually make a living off it because I know those people are out there probably in 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 the dozens at this point. Um, but I, I enjoy it on a. I've got nothing to do on a Wednesday. There's you know eleven baseball games, whatever it is, and you know I'm I'm interested. But I I I, I could see people kind of grinding on that a lot, and I th- and I don't know that legalized gambling will help that. 
hey, listen, I bought a scratch-off ticket at the grocery store today. Yeah, that was pretty easy for you, wasn't it? Yeah, and I lost. <laughs> yeah. So, but I look at I look at it as the same. No analytics involved in that. That's well, what I mean. Well, no, actually, I was. I'm like, okay, so if I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet where I'm going to win big instead of, you know. That's right. What's a thousand bucks? Eh. You know, if I'm going to throw two bucks at something that's got long shot odds, I'm going to go for the big shot. You're the guy who bets every horse, aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm not. No. No, I'm not. All right. Um, you mentioned leagues. We're talking about fancy leagues. Let's talk about a league mm-hmm. that a while. hasn't had a whole lot happen because mm-hmm. um, they're all waiting on John Tavares. The NHL, uh, Tavares signed with the Maple Leafs. The Eric, Eric Carlson trade didn't happen. Uh, out of Ottawa, but we are starting to have some things happen. Uh, the Sabres made a trade with Carolina, bringing Skinner, um, and there are some restricted free agents out there yeah. that are unsigned, and I'll stick with that team here in our home market as an example, mm-hmm. uh, Buffalo Sabres. Of course, we're going to do this and probably sign Sam Reinhart, but here's a form, you know, second overall pick a few years ago. He was a restricted free agent. They retain his rights, and a player of comparable numbers – has a contract with the Detroit Red Wings. That's Dylan Larkin. And you look at numbers, like Reinhardt's numbers are right there, and production numbers. Dylan Larkin's got a $6 million a year contract. Yeah. So it's like, hey, well, there's the comparable. If I'm Reinhardt's agent, hey, my guy's going to get give him eight years, $6 million per season. Done. And I just, I hate that contract for Sam yeah. Reinhardt. I don't hate Sam Reinhardt as a player, but under that contract, because I take Dylan Larkin every day of the week over Sam Reinhardt. Sorry, Sam. You're a good kid, you know, good player, but I think Larkin's a, a much better player. Two things for you. Number one, let me piggyback off that, because you're right. Generally, in all the other sports, right, especially football, when you have got when you talk about, like, a tiers of players and free agents and, and all that, um, one guy signs, every, everything else sort of, sort of falls in place sure. right after that, right? Somebody's got to set the market, then you go from there, and it's quick, bang, bang, bang. Hockey's never been that been like that ever, ever, from what I can think of. Um, you, you know, you need those guys, those guys to go out and reach and get big contracts. But whether you're talking unrestricted or restricted, it just seems like every scenario is overanalyzed to death. And look at we're like what six weeks out, not even a month yeah. out of training camp here, and arguably one of the Sabers' best players. And look at there's 15, six, maybe 16 other restricted free agents, many of them notable who are in the same situation. So many of these teams are dealing with this across the league right now. Um, and it, it, it sort of baffles me. But what baffles me even more, and I think this is where I want to take this, is the lack of use of restricted free agency, right? And what I mean by that is nobody uses it. Nobody makes an offer. We've got, we've got legitimate players, especially this year. You had William Nylander still not signed, Dylan Larkin, Sam Reinhardt, I'm missing a few, but yeah, the offer sheet you're talking. I'm about. I'm talking about an offer sheet, the, the the real use of restricted free agency. Right. You know, it, yes, it's a placeholder for the current team to kind of get a, a deal done, um, which is always what happens. Um, but man, the, the days of offer sheets are gone in well, the NHL. Is well, this just, just a buddy system with owners now? Yeah. Or what? Well, so let me tell you what what the from my experience working for a team with the offer sheet. There was two notable ones that I recall. Yeah. Uh, Peter Forsberg was one when Nashville offer sheeted him, and he got the big deal with Philly. Then, they, oddly enough, they ended up trading him to Nashville years later. <laughs> right? But it, it got Forsberg a huge deal. Um, I want to say it was with Philly. Maybe it was Cobb. But anyways, Forsberg got an offer sheet. And Thomas Vanek was the other one. Of course. Or the Edmonton Oilers. And many fans have pointed out, wow, in the aftermath, they should have taken, let him go, and they, they got four first-round picks. Because the price is heavy. It is. 
so heavy when you sign a player for certain money. And um, yeah, it, it's always funny. People think, wow, that team just threw an offer sheet in there. It's a negotiated contract. Yeah. The player's agent negotiates a deal. It's not as if you can just submit uh, an offer contract, an offer sheet. It is a negotiated contract by a team, and the other team uh, that hold, retains its right has to match. There has been teams get pissed when their players get offer sheeted. Right. Because Justin Penner was the young, only Penner other was notable one, right. one. I just looked but it up for you. He was yes. the only one that was not matched, I believe. I think correct? you're right, yes. To Edmonton. Yes, to Edmonton. Right. So, uh, and then the Kings, I want to say it was the Kings? The uh, it was Anaheim. And the Ducks. The Ducks got the picks. Right. All right, let me chime in here because... But it's a, it's too it's too hefty of a price to pay, giving up always, uh, three or always. four. Always. Yeah, well, but the percentage no, yes, hit on NHL price. draft picks is so low. Which, it's terrible. It's, which and is why it doesn't make any this. sense. It's but, terrible. But, but it is, but let me tell you why it's a heavy price to pay because first-round picks are major currencies will come trade deadline to go and get a player to help you win the Stanley Cup. Like you think, like Dustin Penner, did he really work out? Good first, player. First, second, and third-round picks were given up. It, uh, in that deal, yeah, but they may have. I think they made a trade. Um, they may have matched it, then traded them because of that. But whatever, the the, the price is. It depends on the the salary level too on on what's given up. But the price is so hefty, it's kind of like screwing your neighbor, right? Because there's a, kind of like this unwritten code, like hey, you don't offer sheet our guys, right? We won't offer sheet your guy, like. It's such an unpopular All of move when it's done. sounds very Canadian. That's what this <laughs> well, does. All of this sounds... Who do you think runs the league? Uh, Come listen, on. Listen it's a good to me. old boys network. Listen to me. William Nylander is 22 years old. And if he cost me three first-round picks and an $8 million per year contract, and I'm X team, let's take the Sabres, right? right? Who have cap to work with. Let's take the Sabres. If they decide to let Sam Reinhart walk because they're going to drop, drop an offer sheet on William Nylander, who is proven... Is that arguable? It's he's proven. He's he's a player. He's proven. He's a player, and he's 22, which is basically like getting a first round pick, right? That's basically like getting a first round pick. That was the bell to say that's a great call. Thank you. It is a great. Thank call. Thank you. We have sound effects now. <laughs> um, I just don't get it. The business hat on me. The American say why not do it? (laughs) So is it just that the that the general manager that does it doesn't want to walk in that room with the other GMs at their annual meetings? Too bad. I mean, Kevin, this is this is your wheelhouse. You can explain this. Well, I think it's twofold. I I think it's like a gentleman's agreement. Like this is it's dirty Mm. play. Well, then that's collusion in in some degree. Sure, sure. I think the second the second thing is what what do first round picks represent? What do they represent? The future, youth, Hope. hope. There you go. You know hope. what else they represent? You know what I hope? I hope a team like the Sabres well, can get William Nylander, who scores 45 yeah. goals. Hold and on I don't a care second. what it costs me. They also represent <laughs> for GM job security. That's right. Because, You're you know right. what? Hey, listen, I got a couple picks next year. I need those to help build, you know, to give me that five years of job security. That's what they represent. How come the NHLPA hasn't made a more issue of this? Because it's in the CBA as a weapon and Correct. a tool for players to move, yet nobody does it because there's an unwritten rule against it, they, unless the NHLPA is in the same bed with the GMs they on don't, this. Well, because they don't want to, A, give up first-round picks that they can use to, A, keep job security, B, build their team with, either via trade or actually drafting players. That, that, that's that's why you, I'm with it's Mark. hard to it get makes those no picks. sense whatsoever. I think and, it needs to make a comeback. And, and somewhere and, along the line, some GM is going to go. Some young GM yeah, who has who is not part of the old boys network is going to say, you know what, this makes too much sense. I'm doing it. Don't well, you, it, it, well, okay. Let me give you an example of a player that many thought 
should have been offer sheeted. Matter of fact, when I was uh, doing a hockey show every day, I thought, hey, offer sheet Ryan Riley, uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. And uh, he didn't get offer sheeted. And imagine if the Sabres gave an offer sheet and got him for mm-hmm. the same money. You know which picks they would have given up? Same ones they traded for, right? No, Sam no. Reinhardt and Jack Eichel. That's right. So that's why. That's why you don't. That's why teams don't do it. Why you don't I, give them up? I, I truly feel like it's just one move away. If one team's going to do it eventually, and then everybody's going to start to do it again. But if you're one move away, uh, it, fitting that money into your salary cap will be challenging. It will the amount be. of money you have to pay for a team not to match. And, and, a, and that's, an a, that's another part of this discussion is that the cap just doesn't go – it doesn't raise enough every year to allow you to, do, to make these kind of slam-dunk moves. But this, this vice is here, and nobody's using it. And that it needs really to come out of the me. CBA, then. Why, did, why is it even in there And let me, tell you, let me tell you even more so, the NBA offers no compensation to make an offer sheet. There's no compensation if somebody, somebody signs an offer sheet with you and you, and you get that player. None. They oh, should be wrong. flying off – the, off the table every year. You should be seeing so a I, dozen of these a year. If I if I hold a, a player's rights, that's right. And you're the Milwaukee Bucks, and you offer sheet my player, Not and a, he goes, I don't match it. He's gone. Gone. He's just now. Nah, there should be a draft pick coming back the other way. It's the cleanest CBA ever, and we see it three four times a year at most. It, it, there should be a dozen a year. I mean, it's and like, how many happened in the NBA? It's basically unrestricted free agency. Like I said, there's about three four a year is all it is. But there's tons right. of restricted free agents. That's shocking. And there's tons there's, of money. That's shocking me. There's not more. Nothing in the NBA. Yeah, it's just it seems it's. I think it goes back to your point, Kevin, that it's this unwritten rule that it's kind of dirty play. It's dirty. Yes. It's kind of it's cheap, right? It's cheap to uh, go and steal a guy who's technically under under contract. You know, well, under, under rights with another team. GMs, there, there's like clicks. Yeah, in the NHL, amongst I get it. GMs, you right? want to be able to trade with people. I get yes. it. Yes, I get it. And and you talk about you want to win a cup. You have most teams have to make moves at the deadline. And if some guys, are, so Mike, I want to trade with you, mm-hmm. you know, but I offer sheeted, stole a player from Paul, yeah. or or I offer sheeted Paul's player and made him overpay a guy early and kind of stuck it to him because I knew it, he couldn't do it on the cap. And I want to say they did this with Seth Jones, by the way. I want to oh, say yeah? this happened with Seth Jones. So kind of stuck it to him, forced him to, to pay early. Well, you two are great buddies. You and I are not, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, I call you and be like, I'm not going to trade this with you. You screwed my buddy Paul. Like, that's not how yeah, we do it. there's 27 other teams. It doesn't matter, Paul. It does not matter. I'm just telling you. All uh, right. I, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to me at all. I'm and, just a and, lot more diabolical, and, diabolical know, I think. <laughs> I, I just, I just surprised yeah, that it's I'm, there as a tool, and the NHLPA never makes an issue out of it. Well, then get it out or come up with another solution to it. Well, no, I think you need to have it in there because it's one Why? of the only ways. Nobody uses it. Why well, would it's have one of the there? only ways you're restricted for. Well, listen, the the, the player's got to be attractive enough where uh, a deal's got to be made, and mm-hmm. but the money's got to be so ridiculous for the player to move. Right? I'm just telling you, they're, they're tough to negotiate. Well, and they're tough to execute, and they're usually always matched, and then there's just bad blood because that's why teams don't do it. One more thing, though. You mentioned how one of the reasons this doesn't get done is because GMs want job security, and this is, this is generally a bad way to do that because you're, you're making a slam-dunk move. You're, you're taking on a lot of cap. Well, and then, and then you're making things difficult for yourself to deal with other GMs. But to me, you're, you're overvaluing your draft picks. If you're doing well, they all overvalue the draft picks, but come on, because right, let's say it does cost three firsts for a Nylander, right? Yeah, so what? And if the GM shouldn't be worried about his job in in six years, well, my whole point who cares about my whole point when when those draft picks actually mean something? When Vanek went, if 
the Buffalo Sabers didn't match Thomas Vanek, and they had to because they just PR, lost. PR would have been a P, it was a PR it, issue, right? They just lost what, Drew Brees. Was it four first? It would, it would have been four first rounders because of the money, incredible. seven million because right. of the contract level, and many fans. Oh, we should have let him go. Yeah, I said, well, you know what? They would not have been over one over. They, they would have been a better team with Vanek. Yes, right. They wouldn't have been as crappy. And so, you, I mean, you got to think that way. Like, okay, they're bringing this player in. This guy's goal scorer. He scores 30 goals a year. They would not have been as terrible, theoretically, so they wouldn't have been first I, overall and, picks. And, I, I, and unless you get one, two, or three, right. like, you know, it's, it is a, a roll of the dice in the first round of the National And hockey. I understand, right? Somebody goes out and puts a sheet in, and they're essentially valuing your player for you, right? They're, yes. they're setting a market value for your player, and that, that, could, that could – I could see that hurting your feelings, right? How is it any different than arbitration, though? Oh, I'll tell you know how I, arbitration works. I'll 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 even go yeah. meaner than that. Too bad. Then you should have signed him a month ago, right? But True. If, you, if you've got a market if you, yeah. market value that you want to get to, to get done, get it done. Don't don't even let another team come in swinging. We're 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 at August twenty first here, and there's fifteen, sixteen restricted free agents. A lot of them who are major players who need a contract. I I don't understand this. That and, summer of two thousand seven. Yeah. The inadvertently. The Buffalo Sabers let the market be set without their players, uh, with their with their players, yeah. but by not doing it themselves. That's right. Because Drury and Briere left, right, right? right. and he, massive contracts that set the market. Then Vanek gets the offer sheet. Boom, set the market again. That's right. And B- Buffalo never made like. And if they'd have been proactive yeah. a year earlier and gotten those guys signed, well, none of that would have happened. And I know there's a lot of stories. Signed. There's a lot it. of stories. There's behind a lot of it, stories. Yes. But ultimately, <laughs> bottom line, they did not get deals done when they had the opportunity to do it. Let so. me tell you how uh, NHL arbitration works. By the way, all right, real quick. Um, so because the year prior, Danny Briere was the first player going to arbitration. And it was the first arbitration case under new collective bargaining agreement. And Danny Breer was chosen by the NHLPA. They got to choose. Uh, you know, I think they alternate years who cho- what they choose first. So Breer, the NHLPA, got to pick the first player going to arbitration. Obviously, you want to pick someone who's going to get a high reward. Mm-hmm. It's going to drive the other contracts up. So the NHLPA picks Breer. Now, if Breer was offered a contract prior to the, the hearing, do you think he's going to take it? No. He can't, right? He's got the entire League union won't let behind him. The union won't let him, right. The, the pressure from the union and his fellow players to not take a deal and go get a massive. So he was making one point something before. He goes and let's say he was offered $4 million, theoretically, mm-hmm. a year. It's a hell of a raise. Mm-hmm. Don't take it because we're going to get you more. You're going to get you five. And they got five yeah. in the arbitration award, right? So the pressure. So that so NHLPA picks a player. Then the, the owners, NHL picks a player. So they pick a plumber, right? You know, I love plumbers, by the way. I'm just saying, but you know, they pick they pick a grinder, right? Mm-hmm. Fourth line guy to go in there because it's going to be low. Sure. And then it alternates, you know, arbitration interesting. hearings. So so they Very can so they can man- manipulate the average salary, right. right? Everything's a game. So yeah. speaking of the CBA, well, let's end on this because you know, obviously, there's been plenty of talk about this this pending lockout, and the CBA is about to expire. There's Expires a, in 2022. Yeah. We yeah. got plenty of time. There, there's a, there's an opt out <gasps> after 2019. No. So let me ask you: <laughs> is that is that the holdup with these restrictive free agents? I can't imagine. Are, are these is. guys being offered two year deals? Oh, and they I want see. Four. I see what you're saying. Right? Yes. 
Probably well, if I'm a team, if I'm a team, they want to be compensated during that lockout year, right? That's correct. If I'm a team, I'm doing a bridge deal, yeah. two-year deal. Yeah, most of these guys want, most teams would want that on a restricted free agent. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Particularly with a potential lockout coming, that's yeah. even even magnifies. And really, and one of the things you can you can you can view on SpyTrack is the breakdown of these recent deals. There's been about uh, about a dozen extensions, sizable eight-year extensions, which that's a whole other topic here. But uh, the structure of them are very signing bonus heavy and that's because if and when the the league does lock out in 2020 these guys will get their money what do you from mean, the bonus if and when if and when. it's going to happen i think there's going to be a few leagues locking out here soon the and <laughs> just because history let that be your compass i think sports as we know it is over Really? No. That's okay. Just, that's no way to end this. <laughs> yeah. Podcast. All right. Well, okay. okay. Then this might be the last edition of the SpotTrack.com podcast. Wow, Mike. Thanks for the optimism. We're going into the start of the NFL season. Training camps are opening up for the NHL. Baseball's heading towards the playoffs. And the NBA is going to start with LeBron in a new spot. Well, here, but sports go. are over. Okay. What do you think about that, Susan? <laughs> Back to you, Bob. All right. Um, thanks again to uh, Mike Taglier from FantasyPros.com. Make sure you check them out. And also, make sure you check out the premium subscription service here. Become a premium member of SpotTrack.com. Lots of great tools, contract breakdowns, some exclusive stuff to premium members of SpotTrack.com. Get the app. Make sure you rate us on iTunes. And check out BuffaloSportsPage.com if you're so inclined to do so. For Mike Giannetti, the founder of SpotTrack.com. And Paul Pack, I'm Kevin Sylvester. Thanks for listening to the SpotTrack.com podcast. 